Next up on Visual Wow. They got furloughed, so what do you do? Start your own business. We're all struggling, but things are still progressing. It's just in a different way. They're happening. People need that one-on-one interaction. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Visual Wow. The podcast for people passionate about live events. We're obsessed with creating and capturing those wow moments. This is the place the top pros come to share their secrets. Now, here's your host, Jack Hartsman. Welcome back, Visual Community. I'm Jack Hartsman, your host. And if I can stop laughing, I am here with Samara Schwartz Hurley from Scottsdale, Arizona. And Samara, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, it's so exciting to be on this show. I can't stop laughing either. Jack and I could go on and on forever. Samara from from Celebrations by Samara. Um, is that a dot .com? It is a dot .com. It is a dot .com. So, so celebrationsbysamara.com, uh, a very unique event producer in the corporate, in the social, and more importantly, in the nonprofit uh, market space. Um Samara, I know you have moved around the country more than most people. I think you're up to like 11 cities and, and as you like to say, a Canadian province. And now you are in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, you, you, you couldn't have picked a more unique time to be traveling all over the country and coming back to the U.S. Uh, welcome to the show. Tell me about what's going on and, and how you ended up in Scottsdale. <laughs> well, we lived in Vancouver, British Columbia last And we were there for my husband's job. And um, after about four and a half years, I I get that itch, you know, that military itch. But we wanted to transfer the kids due to school. And my parents moved to Scottsdale 11 years ago from Baltimore. So just to be closer to my parents for the first time, less than a flight away. And they actually live six minutes away from us now. We're getting used to that. That takes a little bit of a little bit of work. <laughs> and just for our listening audience, the reason that you made the military mention is because when you met Michael, he was quite the Navy boy. That's right. So we moved a great deal because of the naval community and submarine officer life. So I know that you are a bit of a transition right now. I know that uh, you are in family first mode and you've got kids that are virtually learning in the, in the hallway, down the hall and around the corner. And uh Tell me about the age of your kids now. And uh, since I've known you since before there were kids, uh, what the kids are going through now in Scottsdale. And I'm going to, the way you make the mention about mom and dad, I'm going to guess that you're not moving for a while. That's correct. We are staying in Scottsdale for the rest of our lives. I'm not going to ask Michael about that, but we're just going to go with it and, and he'll hear it on the podcast when it airs in a couple of weeks. We'll say famous last words of the Hurleys. <laughs> So how old are the kids now? Okay, so Ava, Ava Simone, she's 10 years old, going on 15. And Gavin Rett, he is 16 years old. which That's unbelievable because you're 24 and I don't have any idea how you have a Mm 16-year-old. I don't either. And he is also, I am five feet tall and he is like (laughs) 5'10". So some of our listening audience tends to be the... um, over 16, uh, PG 16 mode. So I'm going to make a kind of double entendre and say, this is the hottest interview I've ever done on visualwow.com because it's 115 degrees as you said in Scottsdale. And I must say that it's also the very first interview I've ever done where my guest is wearing a bikini in the interview. And thank you for not distracting me while I'm trying to have a civil conversation with you. 
You are very welcome, Jack. I aim to please. <laughs> well, that is the party planner in you through and through. Tell me about your work in nonprofit, separating it from corporate, separating from weddings. Where does your heart lie? Because for a while there, weren't you like pa- uh, pampered chef queen to the stars kind of a thing also? I was. That was my, my in-between past life, if you can keep up with that Oreo sandwich. Um, I did pampered chef when I was a Navy wife and after September 11th and my husband was deploying on a submarine and I was working in New York city and things were changing and it was a little stressful at the time for us after September 11th, cause Michael was deployed and I was glued to the news and my priorities just changed. And I was kind of living that double life of New York city and being a Navy wife. And it was challenging. And I lived in Florida, Amelia Island, Florida, also a resort destination and he was based in Kings Bay, Georgia. And so it was challenging for me. So I decided to make the change, take one for the team and become a full-time Navy wife. And the best way to do that was by being a pampered chef consultant. The irony of that, by the way, is I hate to cook and I used to burn <laughs> absolutely everything. So, but I was good at it and enjoyed it because I loved entertaining and we would do live cooking shows in people's homes. So, and training people. So it was everything I did as an event planner, except I had to fake it till I make it in the cooking part. (laughs) So let's talk about your world in, um, it it was an amazing thing when I watched you go through Pampered Chef and and then how you got back into events, which from where I was sitting, it looked like you just really missed it. I did. I did miss it a lot. And it's funny because I call myself retired from Pampered Chef after eight and a half years on top. Um, I had won multiple awards, but in this case, I had won the award as one of the top recruiters in the country, top 20. And it was an amazing experience. And I earned a ton of free trips that we used to go on. And it was so, so nice for me to be able to go on a vacation, a trip with my husband where other people were entertaining us. And now granted as an event planner, being a guest at a wedding and on an incentive trip and all that can be very stressful for us because we see every little detail. and think uh, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's the worst. It's the worst, but we try to take that step back. And I was able to do that with Pampered Chef because my friends also earned the trip. So as couples, we were able to enjoy that. So that was nice. Um, and then I was presenting. The last thing I did as far as presenting for Pampered Chef was in front of 3,000 consultants, directors in Dallas at the convention center. So Pampered Chef actually taught me a great deal about public speaking, which I used to be terrified about public speaking. And you ask why I'm wearing a bathing suit right now. Tell me, Samara, why are you wearing a bathing suit right now? <laughs> I am wearing a bikini right now because it's 115 degrees right now in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's gorgeous. Um, but also because I wanted to feel comfortable for my first podcast. And most people don't feel comfortable in a bathing suit. But Jack, I've known Jack for what, like 22, 23 years. I don't even know. I lost track. But the thing with that is I feel more comfortable talking to him the way I'm going to be talking to anybody else during COVID, which is out here in the backyard by the pool uh, in, a, in a bathing suit. Well, I got to tell you, if our listeners could see what I'm watching right now, uh, they're missing a lot, which means we're going to have to turn this into a Facebook video at some point. But for right now, let's stay focused on your pivot right now, getting back into business uh, in your community. I know that um, for all the different cities that you have been living in, I know that one of the things that has made you quick to get back into the business is that you've surrounded yourself in your community and your, your family is so important to you. 
And now that you're in Scottsdale with your parents right around the corner, and please, by the way, send them my love. Um, And uh, what's your game plan? What's your strategy? Uh, Are you going to tackle, I know nonprofit's very important to you. Are you going to go after the wedding market? We're in the middle of the COVID lockdown. There's not a lot of anything going on. Where do you see your energies going towards? Okay, well, um, first of all, I started out in the nonprofit world and I've done corporate social. I was a big barn bought missile planner in Houston. I lived there for eight and a half years and I was, that was a big part of my business. I loved house parties. I loved doing birthdays, anniversaries, that kind of thing. More of that social fun aspect. Um, I did some weddings mostly because the clients were clients of mine from graduations and birthday parties and other events. And they pretty much begged me to do their wedding, even though I said, let me refer you to other planners. I'm happy to do that. (laughs) But no, we want Samara to do our wedding. And I'm like, Oh no. you Okay. So I ended up um, doing a few of those and they turned out lovely. And I was super picky. The bride and groom were amazing. The families were amazing. And so I was happy to do it and they were wonderful, but I don't promote myself as a wedding planner. I don't attend wedding shows. I don't do any of that. Um, what I do do and I'm happy to do and enjoy is renewal of wedding vows. So vow renewals, uh, which is anniversary parties essentially. And I've done a good number of those as well as what I call an encore wedding, which is a second, third, fourth, or fifth wedding. Samara, tell me more about encore weddings. Uh, I, I, it sounds kind of intriguing to me. Well, I came up with the term because to me, when you're having an encore wedding, it's more of a positive outlook. Now, people think encore weddings are renewal of vows, which it could be if that's what you want to do. Um, but it's also remarrying. So it might be your second or third or fourth or fifth wedding, whatever rocks your boat. Um, you know, sometimes the time's a charm, but it's more of a party aspect. And I'm usually working with just the bride and the groom or just one or the other versus working with multiple generations of families. And, and when you have divorces, it's just a lot more people. And I focus so much on bar and bat mitzvahs in Houston and in Vancouver. So when you're doing those, a lot of the times, because the Jewish community was so large, you had multiple families in one bar mitzvah. So that meant I was working with one, two, three, and sometimes four families for one weekend or one event. And so it was a lot. And so I just kind of wanted to, if I was going to do weddings, I just wanted to do more of that encore wedding, more of that party effect. Sometimes no, it's a great, it's a great idea. I, I absolutely love it. And just for the listening audience, I believe you just celebrated your 20th wedding anniversary. Yeah, that's crazy. It does. <laughs> it does kind of, it does kind of stand out to me because your anniversary and so many other pivotal moments in our lives together, yours and mine going back, you know, basically 20 years, uh, a lot of things happened for you and me in September. September 11, 2001. Or 2000. 2001. <laughs> my wedding anniversary was September 2nd, 2000. And then September 11th, 2001, Jack and I spent 9-11 in New York City together. Not quite the way you just started that conversation, but let's dial this back to the mid nineties and say that you are an offspring, if you will, of two of my (laughs) closest friends in the world, Jacqueline Bernstein and Rob Holzmeyer from Empire Force Events. And even without Jacqueline over my shoulder, the pride that she takes in you being uh, her uh, protege in every which way, the way you talk, the confidence that you talk with, um, 
the way you produce your events. It warms my heart to know exactly where that comes from. And yes, I was the photographer at your wedding and uh, there's nothing I like more than a beautiful, but beautiful blonde Jewish bride that is such a combination for me. Jewish military wedding. Jewish military wedding. (laughs) Let's see that again. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And, and the closest that we had before your wedding and then, and then ironically, we were together both on September 10th and on September 11th. Um, and, and what a day that was. Um, and it's kind of September 11th coming back around that you and I connected just last week on a very personal level. And it's why I invited you here onto the podcast. Yeah, I think we were on this. We started out with texts and then you're like, we should just talk. So then two and a half hours later, we were videoing the whole time. Well, yeah. we have a lot of things to talk about. And, and those common roots, I think, is what, um, you know, coming back to what I said to you last week about the Visual Wow podcast, you know, we're, we're really trying to put a, a positive spin on the event industry, which is a very difficult thing to do right now um, with the COVID lockdown. And also for photographers who are struggling and, and we're trying to deal with people who have found a way to uniquely continue their professions, continue their disciplines, whether it's in events or in photography, um, that we're not down and out, that there's still things to fight for. And you're a perfect example. You've moved all over the country. You've lived in Canada. You're back in Scottsdale or you're now in Scottsdale and your engines are rearing and revving to go. Uh, where do you see things happening for you? And not just because you have a, a full-size volleyball court in your backyard and a swimming pool and you're chomping at the bit to have events in your backyard, but where do you see things, how to jumpstart your industry, you, how to jumpstart your celebrations by Samara back into the game again in Scottsdale? And those events are personal for the record because my husband will not like to hear on a podcast that we're throwing events in <laughs> Although I told him how great would it be to make a drive-in theater in our three quarters of an acre of a backyard. He totally nixed that. He's like, no cars, no. So we'll not figure- doing it. Not, not Mike. Mike's not on board, huh? Whatever. Yeah. Well, um, keep in mind the guy used to live on a submarine. So, you know, I don't know. Cases, right? Exactly. Um, well, we made 20 years work somehow. So obviously there's some give and take <laughs> there somehow. It's and you made two cute kids out of the deal. I've seen the pictures. They're dead. Um, so, you know, yes, getting back into, into the industry is challenging for all of us. I mean, I just had to get together with a new wedding planning company that just started here, two young, adorable girls, um, in Scottsdale that worked in destination management before and other industries within, um, you know, they were, they got furloughed. So what do you do? Start your own business. Um, another person through PR, um, Kate Pate consulting. She was here visiting. I got to be with her and her husband and it's just a nice collective group of people. And we had a wonderful brunch at, um, at the Valley Hellish. give a shout out to um, Amber Allen, who did a, a lovely job hosting us. And, and the issue um, that we're all having right now is we're all struggling, but things are still progressing. It's just in a different way. Um, they might be smaller, you may not be able to have it where you want to have it because of the food and beverage minimums. It may not be, it might have to get moved, but whatever it may be, they're, they're happening. People need that one-on-one interaction. Have you um, noticed, have you noticed also kind of like our, our phone call from the other day, you know, we were texting for 20 minutes. I think you were in the middle of making dinner. I wanted to jump on a zoom call with you because a, I miss you. B I think since none of us are hugging and kissing right now, none of us are able to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. I love you too. Um, 
I, I think that we really need to connect visually as much as we can. And I think Zoom and things like Zoom have really been helping a lot in that department. Um, events are still happening. Um, we're- well, actually, I'm going to interrupt you on that um, because there's a couple of things I want to talk about with what you just said about the Zooms and whatnot. Okay, and so- I, I like the fact that you just announced that you were interrupting me versus just smacking me on the back of my head and saying, shut up, Jack. I want to talk now. My Jack, people hear you all the time in podcasts. That's the Jacqueline Bernstein in me. <laughs> go, girl. Go. It's all you. So I was shy as a kid, by the way, for the record. Um, I've so- never known you shy, and I've known you most of your adult life, and you've never been shy. So this, there's so much silver lining of things that have come about with COVID, okay? First of all, I have lived in so many locations. We have family and friends all over the world. And I'm able to Zoom with them. Michael is able to do his fantasy football team with on Zoom with people that military, all military. These are all Naval Academy grads that are in multiple countries and states. Um, so that is an amazing experience. I also got onto my sorority alumni association group on Facebook, which I never went on. I was obviously I was on it, but I never actually checked it. And so I went on it and I rekindled and I set up a Zoom. I just took the initiative during COVID and we had a happy hour. We're all in different time zones. And we had probably, I think it was about 40 of my Capitalist sisters there in a Zoom. And we hadn't seen, most of us, I graduated University of Maryland in 1998. Most of those girls I have not seen since 98 or some of them are older. So that was amazing. Isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? Amazing. And listen, I'm very active in my community. I love being part of my community. And it, yes, I'm very active in Okay, we're going to leave this part on the editing floor. Well, like a true event planner, we uh, know how to wing it. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. We, we switched. Uh, we had a set change. Uh, and I had to move to the other side of my backyard because my husband came home and had a Zoom meeting. And I've got another kid on... Uh, Wi-Fi and my daughter is doing her homework on the internet. So we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. So I apologize if you couldn't see or hear me during that. Well, welcome back to the program and thank you for showing us the other side of the house and uh, you look great. So let's just keep on rolling with it. Uh, Tell what, what, what do you want to hit next, Samara? You have a, if I know you, you've probably got three sheets of notes for our podcast. So tell me what you want to do now. Oh, four. It's four sheets, Jack. And thank you for recognizing my need for organization and anal retentive paperwork. (laughs) Well, you know what? Uh, I think the best laid plans and God laughs at them. But in your case, maybe God is a woman. I don't know. I don't know. Um, But I will tell you, speaking of God, um, I have always found that being part of the community is everything, quite frankly. And whenever we move, which we've moved so frequently... I have had to create a village and I say I've had to do it because I had to do it for my kids and my husband and myself. But the truth is it's my natural being. I am just this natural networker. It's funny because my, my coworker from when I worked at Cosmo Cool Concepts, it's a corporate event planning destination management company in Houston, Texas. She once said, Samara doesn't know a stranger. And it's true. I really don't because I will compliment somebody on their dress. I will literally go in and tuck a tag in the back of somebody's shirt in Disney world. I'll let them know. So they're not creeped out. I'm saying, you know, your tag is stuck and just go in and do it. I mean, that's just the kind of person I am. I don't understand 
why so many people will let me walk around with spinach in my teeth. I don't get that. Um, so just kind of being that person out there who will talk to anyone and network naturally. Networking doesn't have to mean you put on a name badge and you go to a wine tasting or a coffee meeting or pay, you know, dues to go somewhere. Although I will not knock that because I am a big, big can't think of the word right now. <laughs> come on, come on. Not, wait, wait. I want to, say, I want to say contender. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a contender. I'm not in a show. <laughs> no, but you, you compliment everything that you walk into and everything you touch. And just to kind of put a mathematical formula, I, I'm breaking into a sweat just thinking about it. And it's not 115 degrees here. But, you know, you've been married for 20 years and you've moved 12 times. And so for anybody who's doing, and so for anybody who's doing the math, most of us, our fingers are going to start bleeding, thinking about packing and unpacking the boxes. But you know, that's a tremendous amount of moving around for somebody in an event planning business that we're booking jobs that are six and 12 and 20 months away. And you're moving from city to city before the events are happening. And I think you have a little story about that, what it was like when you had your roots all set and you had to up and go I believe it was to Canada. Tell me how you've, you've dealt with your customers or better how your customers have dealt with you uh, staying established uh, all the while, while you've been moving around so much. That's a great question. And that I think sets me apart from many people because I've had to move so often due to my husband being in the military and then oil, gas, construction, whatever it may be. We always think we're done. There's always another one. Um, but the thing about that is loyalty and building loyalty is takes time. It takes time. It takes trust. It takes relationships. It's all about relationship building. It really is. So I think it's important to be part of your community, whether it's your religious community or your families. Um, I was always active at my kids' schools, whether I was sharing the galas and the events for Grandparents' Day or fundraisers. I was room parent. Those are the best ways, by the way, to get to know who all the parents are because you're the one emailing the parents, collecting their information, introducing yourself. So every time we would move, one of the good way, easy ways for me to get involved with the community and get to know the parents is to become the room mom each time. And I would use my business email and use my business signature and I would contact them and introduce myself as being new, introduce my family and they would see my signature. So it wasn't a, this is what I do for a living. Many a times the parents would reply and ask me questions because they would go check on my website and they'd say, Oh, I noticed you lived here or you live there. And, um, I work for Facebook or I work for Zillow. Um, so we've actually had that happen where some of my kids, dear friends, parents work for companies that hire meeting and event planners. So everything comes full circle. And when I do nonprofit events, uh, whether I'm chairing them or being paid to do them, I become the face because I'm not just an order taker. I don't just take the phone call and take your credit card for a donation to buy a table. I interact with each person on the phone in person. You just have to be more personable and show people your honesty and vulnerability. Sometimes, you know, I like to say fake it till you make it every time I move. But the truth is that I'll do that, but I also want them to see the real me. So they'll, they'll get to know a little bit about my personal life and, you know, things that are my strengths and then show them that I also have vulnerabilities. Not everybody is this perfect perky person all the time. Although I try to be, 
So <laughs> I know you come from a very strong, strong roots with your parents, but tell me in a business sense, I know you were a sorority girl. I know that you went through a great background, University of Maryland. Where did your business sense come from to teach you about events and to give you the, the extra customer service kick? How, where, where did that come into your life? So that's interesting because my mom actually used to plan conferences for an organization called IANS. Ready for this? The International Association of Near-Death Studies. Wow. Some of the big wigs like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross and Danyan and all those people used to come to our home um, and then they would present on the stage. I actually was a subject for past life regression. That's a whole nother story, Um, which is how. (laughs) That'll be podcast number two. (laughs) <laughs> Which is funny because at an international special event society, I think it was the special event in maybe St. Louis. Remember that one? I do. A long time ago, uh, they had a hypnosis in the trade show floor, and I, I remember that too. Monica was on stage with me. Yes. <laughs> we were volunteers. I knew I was an easy subject. <laughs> yeah, Monica was speaking Keeblerish for days. <laughs> Wow. How did we, how did we get back to St. Louis? Oh my goodness. (laughs) So, you know, the point is that I helped my mom with the conferences and I kept her organized. And I, I mean, my sock drawer was color coordinated my entire life. I was pretty OCD in that department. And so when it came to helping my mom organize her office, I was doing the files. I was helping her out with all that. I did registration I would greet the guests. And so that for me was the start. And then at University of Maryland, I was a psych major until they put me on a couch with a grad student who was the psych uh, psychologist. And she just, she did not help me with my problems. I did not like that at all. I said, I'm not putting any person or child into this. And I went ahead and changed my major. (laughs) Well, you got the people skills for it, but you left the medical part behind you. Yeah. Um, you know, I would give everyone my two cents and you're not supposed to do that. <laughs> so not the profession for me, but I did end up becoming a public relations major in the college of journalism. That was the closest I could get to planning events. And I knew I wanted to do that. And in college, I was a balloon artist. Did you know that? I did not. I did. I worked for Paperworks um, Balloons and Gifts and the owner, who's amazing. I'm still in touch with her on Facebook. She was a child owner. I think she started at like 15 years old. And so it's funny it that you was, just said, but I don't mean to cut you off, but you, you know, our friend Mark Zettler from many years ago in the balloon business in New Jersey, yeah. he's going to be on the podcast uh, in about two weeks as well. Well, we so, can make arches together. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> can you make a little, a little dog with a hot dog tail and the whole thing? I am thing? not a balloon artist in the sense of characters. I could do columns, arches, and I can whip through balloons without tying them in a knot. I'm super fast. Gotcha. So you went from organizing your sock drawer to helping your mom organize parties. Uh, You blew off being a psychologist. And now how did you get to the event world? Uh, This is actually quite funny. So I'm the front front of the class kind of gal. Sorry about that noise. I took you as a very passive, quiet one, the shy mm -hmm. one in the room. No, I was the- That's not you? Raise the hand. Uh, Teacher's pet. And um, I, I actually became the president of PRSSA at University of Maryland, which is Public Relations Student Society of America. And that was among many of the things I did. I was philanthropy chair for Capita 
Cappadocia. I helped with the Russia events. I was blowing up balloons for every event. That was an occupational hazard. <laughs> so I enjoyed doing all of that. And then I also became philanthropy chair for the entire Panhellenic Association at University of Maryland, which was very large back in the 90s, by the way. I remember. So I did one of my big events was a carnival. My I want to say my senior year, and it was for... Um, Equity fights AIDS to raise money for that because AIDS was quite quite big back then. Absolutely. Um, and so it was Broadway, Broadway fights Equity fights AIDS. I'm sorry, Broadway cares Equity fights AIDS. And this ties into something that I'll segue into in a second. I'm going to put a bookmark there for Jacqueline Bernstein. Um, but this was my PR SSA. One of my meetings um, was I brought in. Dr. Joe Goldblatt, a.k.a. Joe Jeff, CSCP, who was the founder of our event management certification program at George Washington University, which I did take many courses in. Okay, so just for our listening audience, I have this beautiful woman in a bikini in her patio in Scottsdale holding up a purple flyer from the mid-90s on a video screen and showing off the Dictionary of Event Management, which I am flattered to say is still my picture on the front cover. Um, but, uh, what, what, so that, for, oh, and signed by lots of important people, including the author. Uh, I say, I recognize Bob and Joja, <laughs> the, the three most important people in the world. So for our podcast listening audience, it's not very often that we have people using, uh, visual aids, but this is how <laughs> Samara goes to the extra effort for her clients. And even for the podcast host of visual, wow, really trying to bring it to our listening audience with visual aids. This girl can reach right through your ears and get all the way to your optical nerves. So back to Samara. Here we go. And I'm spitzing out here in 115 degrees, but that is where we have the best Wi-Fi apparently right now and lighting. Um, yes, the Joe Jeff was a speaker, which was a, I'm not going to say coincidence because I don't believe in coincidences. I believe in karma and everything happens for a reason. And here I am, this little pisher, as my mom would say and Jackie, um, going to New York City to interview for jobs. I was still in college and I had a leather bound portfolio, which I still have with all the inserts. Of course you do. Including my resume transcript and all my um, my positions uh, in sorority. And I was in ODK and I actually had a lot of honors. I don't know how I was that smart back then. It just mm -mm -mm. didn't uh, that's the joy of moving. You unpack all of your awards and honors that you haven't seen since you were a kid. Um, and I went to interview first uh, with Richard Aaron at Mallory Factor, which was a public relations firm. And the next day or the next that evening, I can't remember that. Jacqueline will tell you. I went interviewed with Robert Holsmeyer and Jacqueline Bernstein at Empire Force Events in Chelsea in New York City. Um, and that interview went on and on so much. I think they were more impressed by my napkin folding book that I brought in my leather bound binder. And Jackie wanted to see the whole thing, every page. I mean, they were so interested. And of course, Richard was like, eh. Um, but Jackie and Rob were so interested in everything to the point that they said, we're out of time. We have to go to a setup. But tomorrow, we are going to be at the Plaza Hotel. And Casey, for the Casey and the Sunshine Band for this big event, why don't you meet us for, I think it was lunch, at the Plaza Hotel tomorrow? 
I said, well, I'd love to, but my mom's here too. So I have to talk to her first. And she's like, Oh, bring your mom. (laughs) So I'm probably the only person in the history of job interviewing who brings their mother to the second interview orders lobster Caesar salad at the Plaza hotel. So amazing. Yep. And The the good old days, the good old days at the Palm court and Jacqueline was rolling in. I mean, Casey and the sunshine band. Do I have to tell you what she was wearing? Well, our listening audience, though they may have heard her a month ago on the podcast, they can't quite visualize her the way you and I can. But yeah, I can just imagine in in the heels, the leather pants and the hair wild and the colors that she must have been wearing that day. Boots, heels, like white boots. I think she was wearing white go-go boots. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, she's a riot. So that was our second interview. And they fell in love with my mom. And my mom is like a second mom to her. I mean, when my parents go in, they take Jackie out for dinner and even to this day. So it's, um, it started a very beautiful relationship. They hired me while I was still in college. And so it was very exciting for me. And I actually just found the email because I printed every email my husband and I wrote each other when he was at the Naval Academy and I was at University of Maryland. And this email I just read and it uh, was talking about me being super excited that I got a job that I accepted in New York City. And I was nervous because he was a junior at the academy and I was a senior. So what did that mean for us? Um, well, we stayed together through all that. We got engaged in Paris that July and then we we moved around. However, every time I tried to quit Empire Force Events, Jackie said, not happening. It's not acceptable. So they always found a way to keep me on board and part of their family. And so even today, I have been in and out of their lives constantly, but we always have worked together where I'm working for them, with them as her, as their you know, sister, whatever. Well, Um, what you don't know about those days is that we used to share interview information with each other. And so I knew all about that interview. I got the phone call after the Casey and the Sunshine Band concert, all that kind of stuff. So I knew all about that. Do we have a caller? Well, it could be a caller. Wait, on line two, (laughs) is there a caller for Sweet Samara? That would be really funny. (laughs) Do you have a question for me, caller number one? So the caller wasn't for you. It's for our next guest. They were just calling in early. I'm really sorry. You didn't get the half a million dollar gold bag. I'm really, really sorry. It was for the next caller. That is so Jack. Sorry about that. Yeah. So back in those days, Jacqueline and Rob and Monica and I, we used to talk to each other about whatever perspective incredible employees were coming up the line. And I do remember how impressed that they were with you. And yeah, I remember the whole story about bringing your mom to lunch and yeah, those were the days. Those absolutely were the days, you know, we're dealing with some things right now in our world um, the, we'll call it the the new world, the, po- the, the, the COVID. It's not the post-COVID. It's the COVID world. And I won't make it quite as graphic as you made it, um, but I will say that um, we, we, uh, we do live September 11th together um, in New York City, along with our friend Stuart Weiser and the rest of the, fr- the, the, the staff from Empire Force Events. Um, not by anything, but as you said, you know, you don't believe in coincidence. This thing happened for a reason. But when people talk to me about the most incredible things in my lifetime um, or in the event industry, 
Um, to me, it wasn't September 11th together, even though we all did go to the roof of, of the Empire Force building and actually watch the, the horror from 23rd Street. Um, Stuart and I walking around Manhattan that morning or the whole afternoon, actually. Oh. But, but the one of the most poignant in my entire career, one of the most poignant things that I remember about events is you and I sitting in the bar at, at the Plaza Hotel in the evening, I think it was like seven or seven thirty, maybe eight o'clock, and the bar was packed because nothing was happening in the city, and there must have been two hundred people in a bar that could only hold one hundred and fifty. But you could hear a pin drop, and and even though we were in this incredible room, this beautiful bar at the Plaza, um, with all these people the conversation was so somber and we were all staring at the TV screens. And do you remember what happened when the general manager of the hotel walked into the bar? I'm just curious. We didn't talk about it last week, but do you remember what the general manager did when he came in there? I'm pretty sure he comped everybody in the room. Uh, that's exactly right. And I, <laughs> I, I tell that story whenever somebody talks to me about the amazing things that we've seen it, you know, I've been at weddings where there was a tornado beforehand and we've both been through so many adverse things in our business and where event professionals come together. But for the listening audience, I'm going to take you back 19 years to September 11th. And I had just finished photographing an event for Empire Force events the night before we've gone through the horrors of New York city and the world trade center collapse and I'm in Manhattan and I was staying at the Plaza Hotel the night before and I had nowhere to go. Um, I was supposed to be heading back to D.C. that night. I actually was was supposed to be having lunch with a um, high school friend of mine in Hackensack, New Jersey, around lunchtime on September 11th. But roll forward past all that. You and I were in the bar in the evening and the general manager walked in and it was so quiet. It was so eerie. And I remember him saying, uh, well, welcome to the Plaza Hotel, everybody. And can I just see a show of hands of who's supposed to be here right now? And then who's not supposed to be here right now? And, and it was so eerie. And I just remember him saying, well, folks, everybody who was supposed to leave clearly hasn't left. And everybody who was supposed to come into the Plaza Hotel today couldn't get here. So if you come back to the front desk and you have nowhere else to stay, please come get a new key for us. Tonight is on us at the Plaza Hotel. And I was staying at the Intercontinental. Right. I'm getting choked up just talking about it because I just remember thinking to myself that the end of the world had come. Yeah. The, the Plaza Hotel is giving away 100 or 200 rooms, whatever the number was. It wasn't even about the money. It was about the gesture. Yes, I, you reminded me because you, you were at the Intercontinental. And and I'm pretty sure there were oysters in, in, the, in between those two conversations. There were oysters because we hadn't eaten all day. Um, right. Because I had, I mean, we had, what, 3,000? Yeah, you were in the medical program. I had, well, I had a pharmaceutical program going on. It was a meeting for pharmaceuticals and it was in the hospital. So we had to get them out so they could use the hospital for triage, except our buses were stuck in New Jersey and there right, were no right, I remember. We go in. So we had to go by foot to walk everywhere. And so what we did was we still had the van from the event the night before that you were working. Yep. And Kevin and I, Kevin White and I jumped into the van and we drove all the way up to, it was in the hundreds. 
Um, and we had to figure out a way to get the pharmaceutical reps, inform them what was going on because they were kind of in a bubble, but then they weren't because the phone right. started going off. I'm pretty sure we had Nextels back then. Yep. So, which is for those who don't know, they were walkie talkies and flip phone kind of all in one. <laughs> So good times. Um, so we had to get them out. And I remember, oh gosh, it's amazing the things you remember. I remember every detail. I could tell you the smell, the taste, the mm. feeling. Every I could tell you how the nuts and the raisins and the palm taste. I mean, not the palm. Yeah, the, well, not in the palm court. We were at the plaza and the bar. Um, how they tasted. I could tell you everything. And I remember walking into the restroom with some of the pharmaceutical reps. The ladies were in there and they were hysterical crying. Nobody could get through. No one's phones were working. We had everyone had family and friends, including me, who were working or living in the Twin Towers um, or right by it. And so it was a really scary, devastating time, but we all were there for each other. I was literally hugging everyone in the bathroom, whether they were a client or a guest or not. I mean, it's just, you have to bring the best out of people and, and kind of help them get through things, even if you don't know them. Um, well, I, you know, I brought the, I brought this up not to, uh, it, I don't know about you. I get, I still to this day get very emotional when I talk about September 11th and, you know, thinking back to everything that happened that day on September 11th, we were looking at each other, not just on that day, but, the very eerie drive we had coming out of Manhattan. I'm pretty sure it was on the 14th um, where just because I was heading South and you needed to get home, uh, I ended up driving you um, back home, back to Baltimore. And um, yeah, we certainly had a pretty good friendly relationship. I knew your family. I shot your wedding. We just spent the, we worked together with empire force events, but I remember how quiet we both were in the car driving home. I remember looking over our shoulders as we were coming through New Jersey and looking at, at the World Trade Center, the, the, the smoldering smoke coming out of that part of, of lower Manhattan. And I remember that we thought, you know, the world was coming to an end. We, we had just gone through the worst days of our lives. And now look where we are 20 years later, 19 years later. We're in the midst of a global pandemic. And there were many that never thought we would recover from September 11th. And here we are 19 years later, kind of picking up the pieces. And I know that we both have, you know, our own ways of, of posting on Facebook and remembering what September 11th was like. Um, how do you see the similarities or the differences between uh, that time we spent together almost 20 years ago and, and where we are now in 2020? Well, I think what's similar is that fear factor that we had then and we have now. And it did change me. That was a big part as to why I left the event industry, because what the, the listeners do not know is that my husband, who was a submarine naval officer, was at the Pentagon that day and I was in New York City. But we both lived in Florida and he worked in Georgia. So it was one of those things where I didn't hear from him or speak with him for the whole day. We had no idea how each other was. Um, and then you drove me to my parents in Baltimore and my, my mom and I drove overnight just so I could see my husband, his officer group had driven back overnight as well. So it was an amazing reunion and watching the news and all this fear and everything that was going on, it was hard. And he ended up deploying shortly after. So I, that's when I had to make that transitional decision to put family first. However, you know, being an event planner is 
so rewarding because you really do get instant gratification. Um, you may work. So my bar bought missed the plant, uh, clients, they hire me two years in advance. So they'll hire me two years in advance and I'll work with them. And some need more handholding than others, but I'll work with them during the entire process for two years, sometimes less time, but you really grow to, to know that person and get to know them. And you wear a lot of hats as an event planner. You're not just a party planner. Um, you are their family therapist, you are their psychologist, you are their financial planner, you are sometimes their administrative assistant. <laughs> so there are many, many hats that we wear as planners and you have to have, you have to listen and get to know them on different levels, their work level and appreciate their schedules as well as their personal level and how you can relate to them when they're going through something, because that. That personal, that personal attachment is what's going to keep your loyalty going. And so when my husband announced to us that we were moving from Houston to Vancouver, and I was one of the top event planners in Houston at the time and had an amazing year, a year I'd never dreamed of where I was booked out two years in advance, was on the cover of magazines, was written about in the community, won volunteer awards, all of that. Oh, and then ILEA awards and NACE awards. It, I was at the top of my gang of my game. And then my husband says, we're moving to Canada. And I had a year to figure that out. And he lived in Canada while I stayed back in Houston with the kids and, and, and dealt with things. But when I told my clients that I was moving and I'll give them their deposit back, cause it's not their fault. I'm moving. They all kept me on. They kept me as their planner, knowing that they were moving. I was moving from Texas to Vancouver, British Columbia, another country, a different time zone, um, different currency, different everything. And they kept me on. And that I literally would cry every single time a client said that to me, because that was the most amazing feeling in the world. That sense of loyalty, that knowing that people know that I can do this wherever I live. And so I've been hired on by other clients to be their in-house, their corporate planner or meeting planner or their philanthropy chair or their campaign manager, whatever it may be, they hire me to work. I'm Celebration Spice Mara, but I'm working under their umbrella. They give me their email. They give me sometimes a cubicle or a desk computer. They give me logos. They give me signatures. They do all of that. I have access into their systems. And that's what I did for the last five years to survive living in Canada working in the U.S. in addition to doing my own clients' events. And some of my clients hired me to do two, three siblings. Um, or I would, like this year, will be the seventh year I'm doing a company Christmas party in Houston for a company. And we're still doing it in Houston in December. So, I'm going to parlay really quickly. Yeah. This is this is not something you and I have spoken about. I'm kind of throwing this out in left field because, A, I know you can respond to it really well because that's really something you're very good at. But listen, this is something I, I asked your friend of mine. I asked Jacqueline the same question last month. What do you say to a young person like yourself? What do you say to the 20 year old version of yourself, the sorority sister, the organized person, the person who wants to go into meeting planning, who doesn't have ILEA to go to, who doesn't have a NACE meeting to go to? What do you say to that young professional right now who wants to be the next Samara? Where do you tell them to go? What do you tell them to do? First of all, the attending of 
our organizations within our grouping. So NACE, National Association of Catering and Events, I was very active in and won award for them and used to attend conferences and local meetings. Um, ILEA, which was originally International Special Events Society and now International Live Events Association. Um, I used to attend HSMAI, which is hospitality. So there's so many great organizations, MPI, Meeting Planners International. Those are all fantastic organizations to be a part of, to be a member of, to attend. If you can, if you cannot afford to be a member, to attend as a non-member, um, to be part of it. And right now, most of them are doing free uh, meetings on Zoom. Uh, and to be a part of that, Scottsdale is doing them on Zoom. And whether you're a member or not, they want you to be a part of it. And I think that is genius. I think that is so special. That shows that our event community cares about Others in the community, we know our industry is hurting, and that is the honest God truth. I am currently pretty much unemployed at the moment compared to how I used to be, and I know that it's going to change in the future. It's going to get better. It might be different. You have to reinvent yourself. You have to mold to the times. If you still are using a flip phone, you got a problem. You know. You <laughs> what, about a, what about a Nextel? Well, my my daughter just found my walk just found my walkie talkies. <laughs> so she's running around. She's like, "What is this?" So she's running around the house, walkie talking us and all that. And she's like, "Ah, I'll just get my iPhone. It's easier." So you know, but you have to mold with the times. And being active in that community is fantastic. Now, if you're a vendor, I call you creative partners. I learned that from one of my these conferences, that term, one of the speakers, I can't remember who it was. I'm sorry. I can look it up in my very handy notes. Um, but I term creative partners because vendors to me is, I mean, Jack, you're not just my vendor as my photographer. You're my family. You're my creative partner. And all my niece and Ilea family in Houston, they literally have a hashtag Samara's in town. Every time I come to Houston, they're all the happy hours planned and all this. And all these people get together and I feel so left out because I don't see anyone anymore. And then I find out none of them see each other either <laughs> unless they're, because they don't get together socially. They're too busy. They're too this. And so one, one of the wedding planners said, and I'm friends with a lot of event planners as well. That's the other thing. I don't believe in competition. I believe in colleagues. I refer so many events to other planners. And when I moved, I referred it all out and I don't do weddings, first weddings, right? So I refer all those out. So if you're an event planner, you are not my competition. I do not see it that way. I never have. And I think some people have a hard time with that. Um, you're my family, you're my friend, you're my colleague. Let's share ideas. Let's talk about what we can do. A top wedding planner in Houston helped me start my first contract. When I started celebrations by Samaritan, I just wanted to do kids' birthday parties, by the way. <laughs> I should tell you how I got into the big stuff. Um, but the reality is if you are, we call you millennials, whatever, you could be any age, you could be reinventing yourself. You could be 50 years old and you decided you want to switch your career because you just got laid off. It doesn't matter how old you are. You have to be a joiner. You have to be a networker. Um, person I had brunch with yesterday said, you're so natural at that. You can talk to anyone. You, you told me that you, you complimented my dress on the way to the bathroom and didn't even know I was sitting at your brunch. I had no idea she was sitting at my table. My, I came out of the bathroom. I was so happy to be in a restaurant at a hotel. And I can't <laughs> even tell you. It was my first time. And I had my mask on. And this adorable perky girl in her 20s was going to the restroom. I was like, oh, my God, I love your dress. Like, how hard is that to do? And it was an icebreaker. But then I kept going to my table. And she came. And guess what? It's all hugs at that point because you're virtual hugs. 
it's all hugs because you already set the icebreaker. And so she comes to the table and we're both laughing. We're like, oh my God, you're the person who complimented me in my dress and everybody else at the table's laughing. What's going on? How do they know each other? We just met. And that's the thing. I don't know a stranger because the person I just met can become my best friend very quickly. And the people in my industry, especially in Houston, because that's really where I work my business the most, those people are my family. They are my family. Refresh my memory. What, what's that line that, that, that Jacqueline uses that I think originated with you about uh, people? I collect people. There you go. I collect people. I do. And it's funny because I was always, I was not like a, po- I was always popular in, and all the people I was friends with were from all different groups. It was funny because when I was a pampered chef consultant, the one thing they taught you is never invite everyone from one group. Don't have a pampered chef party and only invite your church group. Cause what happens when a meeting comes up, you lost your party. <laughs> and so we were always told to train our hosts to mix the crowd and over invite. Cause you will get cancellations. Sure. You will get people who can't come. And you know what? I told my brides that I told my barn, but misfit clients that I told my birthday party clients that the anniversary party, because it does pertain to everything. If you're having a house party, I had a friend in Vancouver. She threw a book club wine party and all these people were coming and all of a sudden nobody came. Well, did you invite people from all different groups? No. (laughs) Well, that's what happens. Well, I want to, I want to compliment you because what people don't know about the, the typically I spend about 35 or 40 minutes doing an interview with somebody for a podcast and we have been pushing somewhere in the neighborhood of two plus hours, but I want to talk about why. We had venue changes. We had, <laughs> but your, but you as an event professional, uh, us as both event professionals, we know that we have to constantly adapt and we have to fix problems often before the customer even knows that there's a problem. And what my listening audience doesn't know is that when we started this conversation, you were at home, you're on the West Coast, we're three hours apart. So it was a quieter time of the day. Your husband wasn't home and your kids weren't online. And as a mom, who's married, who has two kids that are going to school virtually. When we started our broadcast, we had no problems with Wi-Fi. And then Michael came home and he jumped on a Zoom call and our Wi-Fi got a little wonky. And then the kids had to get online to do homework. And all of a sudden you're running around the house, the perfect professional who doesn't want to interrupt her kids, who doesn't want to interrupt her husband. And you went through wardrobe changes, lighting changes, Wi-Fi changes, ran around your house. I think we did it five times in the course of this broadcast. And, it's and 115 I, degrees outside. So I'm like a wedding in a bathing suit. So <laughs> let me tell you the things that I'm a hundred percent sure are going to happen. Number one, just like when we got off the phone last week after not talking to each other for several years, I'm going to miss you immensely when we hang up the phone today because more for Clint. <laughs> oh, issue number one. Issue number two. I'm a hundred percent sure that when you are conquering Scottsdale, you're going to come back on the broadcast uh, and tell us all how you made that transition and how things are leveling off as you as an event professional and juggling your family. At least Michael's not walking around with a submarine in his back pocket anymore. So you don't have to worry about that part of it. And last but not least, I am hoping that when we get Jacqueline to start her Facebook live 
on the event community and give people a place to come and learn from a great seasoned professional. I am hoping that you will join her as well so we can keep educating the next generation of Samaras and of Jacqueline Bernstein's. I mean, I have so much more to say. I could write a book. I think I might get on that. <laughs> well, I think you should write that book and we look forward to having you back again. I, I appreciate the incredible hurdles that you went through just trying to get this broadcast to happen uh, with the 115 degree temperatures and the family adversity. Samara, I adore you as the day is long. My heart, uh, so many special things we've been through together. Thank you so much for coming on the broadcast. I'm your host, Jack Hartsman, to the listening community. Tune in again to hear more of what we're doing because Visual has a lot to offer people. And Samara, again, thank you so much for being on the broadcast. I love you. I'm honored to be here. Thank you. You're very welcome. Kisses to everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Visual Wow. If you like what you heard, like us on Facebook, Twitter, and tell your friends. Go to visualwow.com for more info. If you didn't like what you heard, just keep it to yourself. Know a pro we should be talking to on the show? Drop us a line. Talk with you next time on Visual Wow.